0: to wide the are you ready to truck it i'm tuner
1: here with michael vincent the dude hey brother how i hey it's a rainy spring morning today here brother in a heart of freight alley a little bit cool but uh hey
0: hopefully we won't flood out like nashville did last week how you doing my brother I'm doing pretty good. I had on uh, my birthday yesterday and uh, to celebrate I went and got Vax number 2. And I believe you went to the I went to the same place you did. It's Enterprise Self here. And it's up this yep. really long militarized nature trail. I think it's like not normally militarized. I don't know. It's the first time I went, but it's really eerie when you're driving up there at first, especially if you have any semblance of a conspiratorial mind cuz it's like I'm like when I get to the top of this mountain are they I'm not going to be like rounded up in a government facility or something? Turns out no, it was fine. I, I, I got through. It's, and it was a lovely trail. I would actually recommend it now. It did take a little bit longer than the Carta Bus Barn, but overall, not a bad experience. Yeah, hey, happy birthday, by the way. Strange
1: way to celebrate. But mm. yeah, it is a little strange going up that hill. Free candy signs. Mm. You're all alone. Single lane. Can't turn around. And then it's dotted with military personnel as you go along the way. It is a little bit, uh, little bit disconcerting there. But uh, hey, it's pretty efficient, too. Boom. Yeah. It's pretty quick, right? Uh, when I went there, it was like within 15 minutes of hitting that trail, I was already in my 20-minute wait and gone.
0: On today's episode, we are talking to a truckerpreneur who started a side hustle by inventing trucker stick. It's like a squeegee for your truck. Michael Vincent, we have Blythe Brumley V. She's taking us inside her new Waves TV show and podcast, Cyberly. We'll have to figure out what that name God. means, too. We get a view inside the cab as one trucker who turned his life around, shared his, shares his story, and we, took, we take a look at the trading card supply chain and some of the data in there. Plus, we've got a ton of news to get to, so let's tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. <laughs> Learn more at newlegendinc.com. Let's hit the headlines. Right on. here's one. I love to see this coming. I really do. I think infrastructure in the United States really, really needs some help. Uh, we've seen so many plans come through and get shot down and nothing happened. Michael Vincent, but Biden has unveiled a sweeping $2 trillion infrastructure plan. John Gallagher reports the White House has released an outline of President Biden's vision for infrastructure, a $2 trillion 10 year American jobs plan that includes upgrading transportation infrastructure, as well as renewing the electric grid, high speed broadband to all parts of the U.S. and delivering clean drinking water. All pretty essential things, especially as we experienced in lockdown. Biden envisions the plan to be fully paid for within 15 years, but only if he is able to pass an adjoining plan to increase corporate taxes from the current 21 percent passed under the Trump administration up to 28 percent. Yeah, the plan states that the American Jobs Plan is an investment in
1: America that will jobs, rebuild our country's infrastructure, and position the United States to out China. Uh, the plan states, public domestic investment as a share of the economy has fallen by more than 40% since the 1960s, and the American Jobs Plan will invest in America in a way we have not invested since we built the interstate highways and won the space race biden's plan calls for investing an additional 621 billion dollars in transportation infrastructure including 115 million billion sorry 115 billion and modernizing the highways roads and bridges that are almost that are in most need of repair it warns that 20 percent of the country's highways and major roads are in poor condition as well as forty-five thousand. Bridges, Uh Delays caused by traffic congestion alone cost us 160 billion dollars per year, and motorists are forced to pay over a thousand dollars every year in wasted time and fuel, is the estimate.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, I know deeply about and intimately about that. Being in Boston, having to go like 26 miles, taking 90 minutes just to get to. Uh... Just to get to Eastie from Hanover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. What else do we got in here? Oh, this is exciting, though. There's also $174 billion to win the electric vehicles market and enable automakers to, to spur domestic supply chains for parts, retool factories, and to completely dominate... The the global EV economy. So we'll have to see if that happens. As Biden proposed during his campaign, his plan establishes grant and incentive programs for state and local governments in the private sector to build. They want a national network of half a million EV chargers by 2030. They think it's going to promote strong labor, training and institutional standards. So, you know, bipartisan wise, I'm rooting for this thing. I think America needs it. Yeah, I'm with you
1: 100 percent. And I like the fact that they're putting all that money into building the infrastructure and getting the private sector involved to compete for these grants and awards to get this thing done, because that's what needed in a private sector always comes through when we need this type of stuff. It's great stimulus. I, I'm behind it, man. We need we need this to get done and we need that infrastructure. The electric grid needs to be upgraded to be able to handle that. We witnessed this just a month ago in, in Texas. Right.
0: This story too, our next story here, speaks to why we need this infrastructure and this investment in EVs and everything. Because look at what the Chinese are doing. Plus, an autonomous technology startup adds 220 million dollars to recent capital raise. Alan Adler has the story on this. You can read it in full at FreightWaves.com. But what it's talking about here is this self-driving technology startup. Plus, it added that 220 million dollars in that recent capital raised to commercialize, get this, level four systems on their trucks, which in they're going to be coming to China this summer in pilot programs. They had previously announced $200 million raised in February. So pretty quick to bring another round in here. What else is going on with this?
1: Yeah, so with the mass production of its autonomous driving system this year, Plus is hitting an important inflection point for the company, Alex Zhang, of Fountain View, uh, what is it, Fountain View partner and head of the uh, industrial group at Fountain Vest. He said that in a, in a release. So Plus will be using the additional funds to expand its global operations and commercial development plans for its driver in autonomous driving solution called Plus Drive. The company is in the final stages of certifying Plus Drive for commercial operations in China, where it has 5,009 binding pre-orders. So they're making a move,
0: my friend. They sure are. And here's a quote from their CEO and co-founder, David Liu. He says, Plus is the only autonomous trucking company to start mass production of its autonomous driving systems this year. And this investment will help fuel plans to bring automated trucks to the market, We've heard a lot of different opinions here, wide-ranging opinions on when we're actually going to see autonomous trucks on the road. We heard Melanie Wise, right from uh, from from Vet, she was like, "They're not going to be out for years. Robots are stupid." But we're also looking, we're following the money, and we're looking at some of these investments. And this this space is really starting to heat up, especially this year.
1: It really is. And I checked out the Plus Drive uh, website and they have got a quick video of a, of a truck driver who, who talks about the fact that when he gets in, turns on this driver in Plus system, he feels very, very safe because it has all this redundancy and safety features around him. He can't wait to engage it while he's in the cab driving because he feels more secure, which is very interesting. I've never thought about that, that aspect of it, uh, Dooner, but having that driver in uh, system while you're driving – uh,
0: is a safety blanket for some people, so yeah, they're making a, a move in that direction. Yeah, we're talking to a couple of drivers today. I'm sure they're not super excited about autonomous trucking, but yeah, you know, look, you got to follow the money. You got to follow what's happening. And like we just said, the space is is heating up. Here's another story on FreightWaves.com. Agents have found 15 million dollars in meth in cargo trucks entering from Mexico. Drugs still getting through the border all the time. Obviously, we find much less than get through. Noy Mahoney, he reports, U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents in Laredo and Far, Texas, discovered more than 800 pounds of methamphetamine in two recent shipments from Mexico. The first case happened March 25th at Laredo's World Trade Bridge. Agents found 367 pounds of alleged methamphetamine um, with a street value of 8.4 million. And it was in this, it was in a shipment of broccoli. And I'm hearing about meth being found in broccoli More and more often. I don't, have you ate some uh, raw broccoli you didn't wash off and felt a little funny afterwards? <laughs> no, but I was
1: going to say, as a public service announcement, make sure you 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 rinse off your fresh fruits and veggies, because man, I got $8. a uh, four million dollars in a shipment of broccoli.
0: Michael Vincent, oh. I got a uh, I got a salad kit from Publix a couple months ago, and there okay. was a ladybug inside the inside the salad kit. So even hey, that's if, good protein. That's I, good yeah. protein. Well, even if it says pre-washed, make sure you uh you check it out. There was one more found. There's 421 pounds of methamphetamine uh where was this was also in broccoli at the far Renosa international bridge check out noise reporting and check out their podcast um long haul crime log you can find that on freecast or by looking up long haul crime log on your favorite podcast player of choice speaking of new podcasts around here we have another new one as blythe who's with us now she has launched a brand new show called cyberly last week and she's here to tell us all about it blythe welcome back to the show
2: Thank you guys for having me. I, I see the studio space is coming along nicely.
0: It is. We, I have a lot more equipment coming uh, on the 5th. And then Billy over at Production is going to come over and we're going to get this really set up. But, you know, beats the master bedroom like I had before. And I, for you. Looking
1: good. For I you, think she was talking to me, Dooner. Oh, she was talking to me. Okay. Sorry about that.
0: Wow. All right. Here's a little cowboy for your new show, by the way, just to kick things off right here. So what? Do, what is, first of all, what the hell does Cyberly mean and what is the show about?
2: Well, cyberly, it was kind of a, a, a fun research project that I, I conducted for myself because I was looking for something that talked about that implied tech that implied the internet. And at first I was gonna go with the the show named source code. And turns out there's a couple other shows out there that publish quite frequently using that name. So it's probably not the best idea to go after that one. And then I discovered I, I was trying to play off the word of of you know cybersecurity, cyber doing things on the internet and I Googled the word cyberly It turns out no shows existed with that name and Urban Dictionary actually uh, classifies it as to do something through the internet. And I said, well, well that's the, the, the perfect business name for me because or the, the perfect show name for me because it really just encompasses, you know, B2B marketing, tech, how it all fits into the world of logistics, which is such a it, it, it's it, there's an educational gap between the technology that's coming into the space and then for folks that are new to logistics just in general. So trying to, to blend those two worlds and unmuddy the waters uh, for, for the audience.
1: Yeah, I love it. And I love it as an adjective, do it in a cyberly fashion, etc. It sounds (laughs) I I love the name. I think it's very cool. I got it right off the bat. So but uh, so you you talk about uh, it's pretty rad to go from blogging on the floor because I couldn't afford a desk to hosting my own show on the top network for global news. Can you talk about that journey and, and the struggles to get here?
2: Sure. So in my early twenties, well, I I should say that I all, I have always wanted to be a business owner ever since I, you know, I, I was in high school. I got a full ride to, to go to college based off scholarship. And my first year in college, it was that it's kind of that moment where I looked around and I'm like, this feels like 13th and 14th grade. I want to take the courses that are about business. I want to jump headfirst into running a business. And so I dropped out of college pretty quickly, uh, to, to much to the begrone of, of my parents who uh, had worked so hard to help me realize the value of education. But I, I took another path and I, I started, I opened up my own business, sort of ran into that early, I guess, college struggle where you don't know what you want to do. You don't know who you want to be and so it, i i felt into a, a little bit of a lull uh wasn't working and uh ran into some financial difficulties but I had a place to live. Um, So I had just recently moved back to Jacksonville. I barely had any furniture. I ended up buying furniture uh, off of Craigslist. I bought a couch and I bought a desk off of Craigslist from somebody who was moving. So I I went pretty quickly off of blogging on the floor in my office into almost, it was a mansion to me. And so getting that that introduction into the business world and and really learning what I want to do and what I want to be really just started in the blogging days and and the stories that I wanted to cover and why I wanted to cover them. And I really credit blogging back in the mid 2000s as giving me the opportunity to get familiar with writing what my writing style is going to be, what my voice is going to be, and that evolved into a, an opportunity to work at a local magazine it then evolved into opportunities to work in local sports broadcasting and now here I am on on freight waves with uh, you know a, a, this show cyberly so it 's really just It's one of those moments where I look back and I'm like, wow, you really have come a long way. But I I also feel very strongly that now the real work begins.
0: So what are some of the topics and what are your goals with the show? What are people going to learn over these next couple months as uh, as you get your feet wet with the program?
2: I think it's, it's really want to focus on the, the B2B marketing side and the creator and the attention economy, that we have this wonderful world where over the last year, we have watched all of these freight and logistics shows. You know, Credit to you guys for, for really being the pioneers in that regard, because I think that you've been the inspiration to all of these different companies uh, all over the US and really globally that have really started to focus on getting those in-house creative teams and starting to produce your own content and give your voice out there. I think that that's a really big struggle for a lot of people. So being able to provide them with the insight of this is what is working in the past. This is what's working right now. And this is where I see it going in the future. Because the majority of logistics companies, they might not even have a marketing department. They might, you know, it might be a situation where, like me, where I was the receptionist slash executive assistant, and I was just handed marketing. And so you're you're maneuvering through all of these different spaces uh, it's trying to figure out how to get your voice out there. And so that's really where I, I see the show going is focusing on the creators that are making some noise now and where I see the attention economy going, you know, where we spend time online. Is it through video? Is it through short form video? Is it in Clubhouse? Is it on Twitter? Is it, you know, in Instagram, uh, which, which of these networks are dying and then which ones can we jump on and, and gain that early influence on those platforms?
1: That's going to be really, really, I, I'll be watching for sure. It's going to be very, very interesting. It's, it's a topic that is very, very important. It's something you got to get into it. And it's something that um, uh, is intimidating, if not scary to certain people. Don't you find that, Blythe, when you, you're talking to people about this type of stuff? They understand some of the words that you're saying and, and some of the actions and outcomes that can be there, but they don't know how to execute it, right?
2: Absolutely. The the fear, I mean, I I was pacing in my house the day before the, the, the Cyberly show debuted, and I've been broadcasting for years. So I think that it's natural to feel scared, especially if you really care about it, because I think that that's the ultimate proof. And so having people realize the value that you're just having the same conversations at home as if you were broadcasting it out to an audience. You know, COVID has sort of taught us that everyone has a webcam. Now, most people have a microphone, you're working from home, you have this environment where you can devote that creative energy to the topics that matter most to you and matter most to your customers. And so it's really about getting the reps in because it, you're you're not going to be good at something unless you start practicing at it. And so giving people that confidence, and, and maybe I can be you know, that sort of that inspiration to them because I didn't go to broadcasting school. I just get the reps in and I practice and I research and I try to bring, you know, the, the best content that I think is the most important to the audience. And, and so that's what I, I hope to bring every single week for, for Cyberly and then the other programming that, that I handle.
0: What was last week's episode about and what do we have to look forward to this week?
2: Last week's episode was about short form video. And we had a great creator on Shay Dixon. She is the CEO of Allegiant Logistics. And she is really starting to put herself out there and starting to create more content as well. And she's doing it in short form video. I'm a kind of an Instagram hater and she was, she absolutely convinced me by the end of the show that Instagram is where I need to put more energy into. She said that she's, she's sourcing carriers and and getting bids through Instagram DM. And I just, I was blown away by that. And so being able to highlight folks like Shay uh, in, in the previous episode. And then coming up in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about podcasting stats with the, the the marketing director from Buzzsprout, which is a podcast hosting company. So we're going to be talking with him about how he tackles creative content internally and then also advises podcasters into how they can create their own messaging and their own voice uh, through their different, uh, different podcasting and audio apps. And so it, it's going to be that's sort of the, the content that I'm going after is bringing outsiders, but also blending it in with the insiders within the industry who are already doing it really well.
0: Well, speaking of podcast stats, thank you, listeners. We have done over 100,000 IAB certified audio podcast listens this month, which is pretty good because an IAB certified listen, that means that it has to be unique and someone has to listen Mm -hmm. to more than one minute, which is way more stringent than how website analytics are looked at how video analytics are looked at so those are really solid non-fake numbers so i want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our programming especially on the audio side because that is my baby now we don't have the wheel with us but i have a wheel in my mind and i'm going to spin it and my question to you (laughs) Blythe, is you're now an over-the-road team driver would you rather your partner be a dumbass or a smartass
2: Oh, I would probably say smart ass because there is some intelligence behind it. I think that I don't have the patience level for for dumb asses. I I, I would probably just open up the door and just let them sort of roll out and not really notice it until later on.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Vincent. (laughs) Would you agree? Because you're kind of like the smart ass of this team. Would you would you agree with that? (laughs)
2: That's I, I, I mean, there's I feel like there's a certain intelligence level if you're a smart ass, because then you, you have a little bit of stuff to back it up. And if you don't have the stuff to back it up, then you can sort of spot that pretty clearly or pretty quickly.
1: Well, got well, you. that's where they cross the line from smart ass to dumb ass, right? <laughs>
2: i think it depends on your take
1: (laughs) yeah i would prefer the 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 smart ass too what i don't like is aggressive stupidity oh that that's really really annoys me
0: yeah or if it gets in your way or it ruins your day hey blythe before we let you go where do people how do people find your show and uh when does it air next
2: Well, it's so new that I don't think that we have the podcast audio feed approved just yet, but you can find it on FreightWaves TV and you can find it on YouTube. Cyberly every Thursday at 2 p.m. and from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m.
0: It's on Spotify and Stitcher also.
2: Oh, perfect. Yes. (laughs) Simplecast
0: and FreightWaves.com. It's just Apple. Apple's the main directory for you guys who don't know podcasting. Most feeds are pulled from the public directory that Apple has. So, um, mm-hmm. like, Overcast, others, other podcast apps you may use. Um, but the bug is fixed. Blythe, it'll be up on Apple Podcasts soon. Thank you once again for joining us, and congrats on the new show.
2: Thank you guys so much.
0: Take it easy. All right, Michael Vincent, you know what I've been talking about on here and alluding to quite a bit is this trading card market, this booming trading card aftermarket supply chain. I hadn't really heard about trading cards since I was a, you know, as a kid going to the corner store. My town actually at the time supported two trading card shops but those had all gone away and i I believe in the 90s they flooded the market they put too many cards out and it tanked everything but it sounds like this whole space is just heating up and we have a gentleman that our own alan adler turned me on to his name is jim parker he's the owner of parker cards and he's going to tell us a little bit about this market some of the data he uses to to crunch it and we'll get into it with him jim thanks for joining us on the show introduce yourself well, thank you for having me. Um,
3: yes, uh, this is Jim Parker and, uh, I've been doing uh sports car dealing probably for the last 15, 16 years. Um, uh, I like you, I started as a kid, just a collector and, uh, enjoyed collecting. And, um, you know, I was a kid of the seventies, so it was really kind of, uh, really just a kid's game back then. And, uh, uh, you know, most of my friends grew up and um, went on to have girlfriends and things like that, and I stayed more with the cards actually, and um, uh, and I kind of stopped in 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 the 90s, in the early 90s, when the when the market got flooded, as you mentioned, and uh, I jumped back into it probably in the early 2000s and uh, kind of rekindled my enjoyment of it, and it was still sort of a compared to today not as popular as it is today. Um, and, uh, just been building my business, uh, ever since then. Now I have a regular job, uh, I'm an engineer. And, uh, so this is a part-time thing for me, but it's becoming a little more full-time than I, uh, have expected just because of the, the current boom that we're in right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, a and- Michael Jordan, Flair rookie card, one of those just sold for I think a few million dollars, right? I mean, this is big, this is big money. Some of these cards. Yeah, I'm trying to show it here, but uh,
3: we got a little glare, but there's one right there. And um, this, uh, it's hard to see. Sorry, I'm trying. And um, for those at home, I'm uh, showing a, a Michael Jordan rookie card. Now, the one that sold for that much money um, was graded as a 10. So uh, something that's that's very common now is that, uh, people send cards off to, uh, there's a couple third party, they call them third party grading services where they will give you a professional opinion of the grade of the card, uh, a scale from one to 10. And, uh, so a lot of these high value cards that you hear about in the news are, um, not necessarily super rare cards, but they're rare for their grade. Um, so the, the card that you, um, mentioned the Michael Jordan Fleer, uh, was a grade 10. Um, the one I just showed was a grade 7.5. So it's, it's not a million dollar card by any stretch. Um, uh, the one that just sold. And, and so you asked, well, why is it so much? Um, in the eighties, uh, everybody collected baseball. Baseball was the popular sport uh, for trading cards. Traditionally, football was a distant second. Basketball was an afterthought. Tops didn't even make basketball cards every year. Um, every now and it, it stopped. And uh, Fleer decided to make some in the mid eighties. And um, so when they made them, uh, they landed on the market with a giant thud. Um, you know, people couldn't give them away. They didn't print very many of them. A lot of them ended up in dumpsters. So any of the, you see now uh, were sort of rescued. Um, so even though there was a lot of production in the eighties, it was all around baseball and everybody was buying baseball cases and tucking them away to, to, to send their kids to college. And uh, because everybody did that, they were essentially worthless for many, many years. Um, so, uh, but what happened with the Michael Jordan card, obviously he became big basketball took off because of Michael Jordan in a lot of ways, Larry Bird, and Magic Johnson started that, uh, sort of that trend. And, um, in the late eighties, basketball cards became a little more popular. Um, they waned for a while. And now, um, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, basketball is, uh, by far the most popular sport, um, for sports collecting. It's a surpassed baseball at this point. Um, and a lot of that's due to the new NBA. It's, it's, it's also the fact that it's a very global phenomenon. Now the NBA has marketed themselves hugely in, in China and in Europe. And a lot of the great players are European at this point. Giannis, uh, Luka Doncic, uh, two of the great upcoming, uh, young stars, you know, are, um, are European And, um, so there's a a large global phenomenon with it back to the Michael Jordan card. I know we're getting all over the place here, but the Michael Jordan card had a huge rise last year with the documentary that came out, um, the last dance Mm. and his cards probably doubled or tripled overnight as people sort of rekindled their interest in the Michael Jordan story. Uh, people that were kids in the eighties or early nineties when that card was, was three or $400 and it was very, but that was expensive back then um now people have for a kid now people have disposable income like myself uh, they can afford to pick one up and it's sort of a nostalgia thing and that's that's really what a lot of times these sports cards are about for for people is a certain nostalgia
1: that's so, interesting. Oh, and I sorry. remember when this was really, really big. I, I collected them when in the seventies, like you're talking about, I remember we used to, we would write to like the marketing departments of the different teams and they'd send you all kinds of stuff. They'd send you baseball cards. They send you signed pictures of the team and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was really big for us to be doing that stuff. We never tried to make any money out of it. And I don't know where all those cards are. My brother's probably got most of those, but um, what is propelling the, this, this boom now, it seems like it, it faded away and you kind of explained how that happened, but it seems like very, recently this is something or maybe it's just because duner started talking about it recently but it feels like the boom is is starting again and what what is propelling that
3: that's a great question there's a lot of theories about it um i've you know i've been in this for a long time there's really been i think three big boom periods um the late 70s and that's sort of when beckett the 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 online price guy came to be a, a a very popular uh you know factor and people start realizing, oh, my nineteen fifties card's actually worth something. And then uh and then again in the late eighties, um, we had another boom. Um and then we had a crash in the mid-90s. And um and 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 so ever since then the, the trading card market has changed quite a bit. In this latest boom, um, there's a lot of theories about it. Uh one of the couple factors certainly play a factor in the COVID, the COVID phenomenon, uh people are at home. Uh, people can't spend their money on restaurants uh, gamblers can't there for a long time there wasn't active uh, games being played so uh, gamblers uh, wanted to put their money somewhere there was also the um, uh, factor of the economy and people didn't want to put their money into um, into uh, stocks bonds um, and they were looking for other avenues to put money into and so there's been a lot of increased uh, big time money, um, really high end spenders. And that's where you see a lot of these high end cards, you know, like a Michael Jordan rookie, a Tom Brady rookie, um, really, really jump and, and, and double and triple in value, uh, you know, in the last year, uh, it's been, uh, quite phenomenal. Um, and, and I think there's been sort of a, uh, it's sort of built on itself. It's sort of a feedback loop where, things start to rise and then more people get interested and then more people see there's value, there's money to be made, or uh, it's kind of fun. People have disposable income. They're at home with COVID. And it's kind of been a perfect storm of of many things coming into play that have uh, are still fueling this rise at this point. Um, And it's, it's just as popular now. And now uh, I mean, here we are in a freight waves, um, you know, trucking podcast, logistics podcast, talking about sports cards. Um, It's on, Uh, New York Times, ESPN has written articles, uh, uh, Wall Street Journal. There's a lot of mainstream um, notoriety about it now because of this boom and because of what's going on with the market and and the value of the cards. So um, there's been a a high influx of new people. Um, I talk to new people every day.
0: Yeah, Jim, we have about a minute left. So we had Gary V at one of our recent events. He did a keynote there, and he said that the Holy Grail of cards is that 87 Michael Jordan Flair rookie card. Would you agree with that, or is there a better card that we can leave the people here that they should go be chasing?
3: Oh, well, uh, I I could have a lot of recommendations, but from a basketball standpoint, that's a Holy Grail. Um, And you really got to figure out what's your sport. From a baseball, it'd be a 52 Mickey Mantle. And to get one that looks like it's run over by a truck is probably $20,000. So it's not for everybody. Um, So to me, that's the Holy grail, but an 86 Jordan is, uh, is obtainable. Um, You know, a a grade seven card is probably $10,000. So it's not for everybody, but um, uh, you don't have to spend a million dollars just to get one either.
0: Well, Jim, I could sit here talking cards all day, but but we do have to go. For those that do want to talk cards with you or or check out Parker Cards, which you folks offer, where should I send them to? Uh, I'm on Facebook
3: um, under uh, Parker Cards and uh, uh, also on Instagram, Parker underscore Cards. um, And, uh, of course, on eBay at Parker underscore Cards
0: as well. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and it is West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at newlegendinc.com. Vincent, you think that uh, B2B trading cards would, uh, would have a market?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It, it, that's a good question. I was going to ask him, what uh, uh, Jim, what his million-dollar card is. What is yours? Is it? Would it be a rookie uh, Brady, Tom?
0: like what i what card i would want more than anything
1: what would you spend what would you spend 7 oh, figures
0: man ah. Jeez, I, I just I, Michael, I just wouldn't spend that much on a card. I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: That, <laughs> I said, I, 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 you're right. I, I'm thinking, ooh, this, that, that and then, and I think, wow, if I had seven, that nothing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I had, I, I was a part of that boom in the early '90s when I was a kid, and and they were, you know, trading cards were everywhere, but they get, you know, they got ripped and lost really easily. So I don't want a million yeah. dollars in a piece of of cardboard. I'd prefer not to.
1: Um, me and my brother, me and my brothers were doing it in the '70s. I bet that case somewhere has got some serious cards in it, but
0: I don't know where it is. Well, if B two B had cards, who would be like the most valuable one—an Elon Musk rookie or something like that?
1: Oh, that'd be a good one. It would. A Brad Jacobs would be pretty hot right now too, wouldn't it? Uh,
0: maybe. Well, be, no.
1: I mean, well, be, yeah, well, maybe. but not compared yeah.
0: to like Bezos or so. What about Bees That picture people always share of Bezos in the room with the handwritten yeah. Amazon sign. Yeah, that would be good. We need the Jeffy, good. the Jeffy B rookie. Well, hey, this is another truckerpreneur episode. And if you folks remember, last month we had the Freight Bambino on. He started a clothing apparel company to supplement his income, start a little side hustle like a lot of people did during COVID. His uh, He's got a cattle company that has all had no cattle. He doesn't even have any cows. However, our guest today, is Shane Schindler, he's the inventor of Trucker Stick. It actually does have a product. He's out of the great state of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he's also a driver, as I understand it. Shane, introduce yourself to our audience and welcome to the show.
4: Uh, hi, guys. Hey. My name's Shane Schindler. I, uh, I've been a truck driver for 12 years, and I started up product brand with just a single product that i invented it's a squeegee design for our truck mirrors it's uh it's called a trucker stick it's got a curved end i don't know if you can see the curve yeah that matches oh, the yeah. curve of our convex mirrors and the flat end actually fits inside the side mirror you know the longer squeegees will hit the yeah. edges of the mirror and you can't uh you get streaks you can't squeegee the whole mirror so i mean this is just designed perfectly for our truck mirrors Uh, That's what started. It it was just something that I always wanted, and uh, I I decided to make it. And it's it took off, and then from there we we're up to about three products now. So that's awesome
1: stuff, Shane. And I I love to see it when somebody like solves a problem that they actually have. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's making it, so I'll go make it. So. Talk, talk to me about about that. And I love the fact that you actually have a product as, as uh, opposed to the other one, which is still pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome that somebody's making money off of a cattle company that doesn't have any cattle. But uh, how did you take it? You said, so I just decided to start making it. What's well, that I, journey like? What's that journey I, like?
4: I mean, did you just take some some popsicle sticks and make a prototype. So uh, at first I just made it for myself to use. I didn't even plan on selling it. I just, I was sick of wiping those mirrors every day all the time. So I just made it for myself, but then uh, people were saying, where'd you get it? Where'd you get it? So I I actually started it with a, I bought a $500 3d printer off of uh, eBay and it was just cheap garbage. It wouldn't print anything usable but it would print so that i could design the thing and uh i did it in my dining room and it's just i don't know a lot of figuring things out along the way i guess but so you have a product
0: how how do you go start the company behind it so you have the prototype and everything and you're like now i need a, a website i need to go out and get manufacturing of this thing i need to go get inventory what was that process like
4: yeah, I mean, super interesting. Super uh there's a lot of luck involved, you know. You you work with a lot of people along the way and you just you you just look stuff up, you ask questions on the internet and people are out there know how to do it. You just got to ask them, you know. And uh and in every step there's 50 or 100 companies or people that you can pick to work with. And I feel like it's it's all luck of who you get. And I just I got lucky and have been working with great people the entire time. Well,
1: you know, Shane, I would contend that it's not luck. I would I would contend that it's more the gumption to go get it because, you know, you, you talk about goals and dreams. Right. And goals without actions are just are just dreams. And it, and it sounds like your advice is just go do it, man. I mean, your luck is that you said, you know what, I'm just going to go do this and figure it out as I go, not just sit here and plan and plan and analysis to paralysis type of stuff. But so how's the reception been? What are sales like, man? Are you killing it? Are are we talking about uh, retirement soon or starting a
4: shame shame fund for altruistic uh, ventures? What's going on? Unfortunately, I was last February, the company that I was working for replaced. I had a dedicated run and they replaced my run with train car so ever since last february i've just been all in with the company uh now we're in we're in the our squeegee our we have a saint christopher trucker relief fund um, uh squeegee that is carried in ta and petros all over the country and then our we have uh green and blue and red and black which are in all the loves all over the country so i mean that's been phenomenal the squeegee's great uh our vacuum is in the uh, this one. Our vacuum's in the TA and Petros, and our blowgun kit is in. Uh, that's new, actually. Uh, can I show you guys our blowgun kit? Yeah, sure. I was gonna, I was gonna okay. demand it. What are we? Are we? So we, this like, is very are we going neat.
1: hunting with this thing or what? We-
4: <laughs> this is very neat. So we all know about the the blowgun kit that trucks have to connect to the seat airlines. Okay. So all the seats have air ride and there's a a blow gun that you can tee off to that airline and access it to use to spray out the the dirt and everything from in the truck. So I went ahead and made uh, a blow gun kit that I I was sick of that airline being it's mounted on your seat. So it's stuck there all the time. Uh, So I went ahead and made a quick connect at the beginning. So once you put it onto your truck and it's it's super easy i'm getting tangled up here (laughs) uh it's super easy to install a a lot of them that you get at the truck stops you need tools and you need to screw them on and, and all that but mine's just shark bite fittings so you just pop your lines in there and then you can actually remove your hose so that it's not mounted on the truck and then you can you can add your hose whenever nice big durable hose long and then uh at the other end, I made this a quick connect too, so you can actually use multiple different air tools, not just the blow gun. Which is nice. I mean, it comes in handy. There's a lot of things that uh There's a lot of air tools out there, you know, and yeah. you never know what you're going to need. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know what's funny? I mean, a lot of drivers they're they're sitting there worried about autonomous trucks. Meanwhile, you're over here getting replaced by technology from like the 1800s as, as a rail car comes <laughs> right. by and takes your job away. But so now, look, it looks like you're coming up with these ideas as because uh, they're things that you need. They would make your life more convenient. So when you're driving, is this constantly what you're thinking about? Is 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 the bug turning in your brain, the inventor bug that like, can I make that better? Can I improve this? How does that? How does your mind work?
4: So, I mean, it absolutely was uh, f- for a long time. I mean, the squeegee, I had that idea psh, five, at least five years before I actually went and did it. You know, I've always just been like, why has nobody made this thing? <laughs> it's, uh, and and once I made it, you'd be, it's amazing how many people said the same thing. Like, it's about time. Like, this should have been the thing for a, a long time. And then, uh, yeah, but as far as, I miss driving because of that. That's part of it. Uh, I, when I was driving, I would just think of ideas and, and stuff that I wanted. But uh, I, I miss driving just because I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I'll get back out there soon enough. But right now, I just got to focus on this.
1: well (laughs) hey focus on that build up the sales and then go deliver your own products
4: right there you go yeah absolutely absolutely and then actually our blowgun kit in uh is it july or yeah july will be coming out in loves all around the country too they're doing a, a promotion for it so and if you guys are looking for any of any of the products the squeegee uh, the squeezy is very accessible. It's in most truck stops around the country. A lot of independents too. The blowgun kit is not as accessible. Uh, it is in Iowa 80 stores. They they do carry it. The Iowa 80 largest truck stop in America, and uh, a few of their uh, retail chain stores. Wow. And uh, but the, everything's available on our website. It's uh, truckerstick.com, dot wow. com. T r u k r s t i k
0: com. Hey man, we'd love to hear it, and thank you for sharing your journey with this product for us. We, if you're out there listening, you're you're a driver or a former driver. You've created a product, and uh, and you're out there hustling. You're a truckerpreneur. Reach out to me. We're happy to feature you on this show. By the way, say hi to Shannon for us. She's actually going to be on the show, um, I believe, next week. So. Take it easy. And we are
4: amazing. She's
0: great. She's the,
4: great. Big their supporters. organization is amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys know all about St. Christopher trucker relief fund. Course, yeah. They've been, uh we, we love working with them. Um, every, every sale that you, every squeegee that you buy from TA Petro with the St. Christopher trucker relief fund logo on it has uh, a portion goes to St. Christopher truckers relief fund, which is a great organization that helps truckers a lot. They do a lot for, for the industry great Amen. people.
0: Thank you. Thank you once again so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Have a great day.
4: Thank you, sir. Have a good
0: day. All right, man. Now we got another trucker. Maybe maybe he just heard this segment and he need himself needs a trucker stick. It's Quincy Johnson. I know him off of trucking Twitter. He's driving the big highways of the United States. Hey, Quincy. hey, hey what's
5: going on, brother? What's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing good. I definitely will be getting one of those uh, trucker uh, sticks. Nice photo, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me t- do you have any aspirations to be
0: a truckerpreneur? You've seen the Freight Bambino. He's got these hats launched that I'm wearing right now. the, the cattle company. This guy's doing trucker sticks. You ever drive around and think of know, a product?
5: You ever drive around I and mean, think of a product? The, the uh, idea has come into my head to, uh, to, uh, to make some t-shirts. So who knows? Well, hey, you have a you have a you're, the pin tweet. Did we lose you? No, no, no. No, we got you. We've
0: got you. Can you hear okay. us? Okay. All right, the pin tweet on your shite on your on Twitter. Yes. It says, "I'm making power moves. Things are happening. Not stunting. Not fling, flexing. Not dunking on anyone. Just making a statement. I'm 44. Never got past the eighth grade. And I'm a convicted felon. If I can turn my life around and become a productive individual, then maybe, just maybe, so can you. That's compelling and interesting. So how did how did you turn your life around and, and start driving a truck? Man,
5: uh, I can only call it a miracle. What happened was six years ago, I was um, sitting in my friend's backyard, uh, smoking weeds, acting bad, and called into a radio show to talk about sports and ended up with a uh, with free drive training and a job as a truck driver. And uh, I, I still can't believe it to this day, man. It's just phenomenal absolutely love it truck driving saved my life literally saved my life cuz i was in a i was in a bad spot 6 years ago now i'm you know i have a career not just a job i'm making in a week what i never made in a month things are good things are real good wow Wow, that's awesome! That, I mean, that, that's
1: a heck of a story. That's like a that's like a blessing dis- descended on you to to make that stuff happen. Uh, you've also talked about your Cajun salmon cooked in the truck in a toaster oven. Maybe you could do a trucker yes. cook trucker cookbook, man. Let's hear let's hear the recipe. That looks delicious, man.
5: Man, every, everybody says I should do a, a a cooking book. Honestly, I bought it like that at Walmart. I just wrapped it up in foil and put it up in the tow server for about 30, 35 minutes, and it came out excellent. Um, I also have a skillet that you can plug into a, a power inverter, so I do a lot of my cooking in the truck and everything um, because all due respect to all, all the trucks out, out there, some of y'all food can be a little bit, uh, <laughs> so if I can better control what goes into my body, maybe I can slim down some more, you know? What do you season
0: with that, that with? What's your recipe for the toaster oven Cajun salmon?
5: Um, let's see here. I've got some black pepper, onion powder, garlic powder, um, adobo, uh, some Saison, I got some Mike's uh, hot honey, which is just phenomenal, and various uh, hot sauces because I do love hot sauce a bunch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. Then,
0: what do you, How long are you throwing it in the toaster and at what temperature?
5: Um, I, uh, I put it on, um, on broil and wrap it up in foil for about half hour or so. And it turned out gorgeous.
1: Nice, nice. Quincy, what have you made in there where you just, you pulled it out, you tasted it, and you went, man, this, this, it, nobody needs to be eating this. This is just awful. What was the worst thing you ever did? You cooked in there.
5: <laughs> you know what? I mean, nothing. Cause everything I cook is pretty good. I mean, there you go. I keep it very simple. Uh, meat, chicken, uh, fish, poultry, uh, Things like that, man. Like I don't, I don't ever buy anything that I might question later. So I am all good. <laughs> hey, vent a little bit for us. And I know you love the job. You appreciate the job.
0: You called in. You're, you're high. You call up the radio station to talk some smack about sports. You Now you're driving a truck. It's been good. But what's the, what's the worst thing about driving a truck right now? What are drivers dealing with right now that's, <laughs> uh, that could be better? You wish it was better and it doesn't seem like it's changing.
5: I would say... For me, least ways, the, the two worst things are parking and a little more giddy-up-and-go when you're at the warehouse and everything. Um, as far as the parking goes, I usually start my day around anywhere between 3 and 5 in the morning. and like it, Every time I drive by a rest area or a truck stop, there's easily 10 to 30 trucks that are parked on the ramp Order, or the order off-ramp or something like that because there just wasn't enough parking anywhere. And as far as the warehouses go, it's like we bust our hump to get there on time, and then they take four or five hours to load or unload you. Meanwhile, our clock is just tick tick ticking away. You know, those are my uh, my two biggest gripes. Other than that, I mean, I, I'm really cool with it with the industry. I know people are upset about the EODs and the wages and how they haven't gone up since the 80s. (laughs) I get all that. My rebuttal is this here. For me personally, it still beats the heck out of what I was doing before I was a truck driver. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, okay, it's got all these flaws and everything, but I'm still making money hand over fist. I'll be honest with you, my my um my my year before I started driving a truck, I made seventeen thousand dollars and that was with eight jobs okay and I just hit fifty four thousand after taxes first time I've ever made over fifty grand in a year I'm cool with it, I really am you know. <laughs>
0: I'm giving you a little cowbell for that one. I mean, hey, congratulations, man! You really—it sounds like you've, you've had this crazy life, and you're from this—you're from a completely different world. You get into trucking, which is its own world. You saw probably some crazy stories in that past life. What is the craziest thing you've seen while trucking? The
5: craziest thing I've seen while driving the truck. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Um. I mean, you know, I've seen way too many cars. We underneath for our trailers to which I say, Stop brake checking us folks, please and thank you. We cannot stop on a dime. stop doing that uh I've seen car chases uh actually, my first year of uh, of driving, I actually came across a fatality uh on the road, and it was before they had um the area taped off it must like just happened and you know the body wasn't even covered yet that was wild you know Ooh, Ooh.
1: yeah that's got to be yeah Yeah,
5: i've seen a sob i was next to
1: a truck that got hit by a motorcycle who's obviously doing well over 100 right next to me when it hit boom that was one of the craziest things i've been there but uh let's change this a little bit there's a big fight it's godzilla versus king kong Team Kong, new... oh, uh, Team Kong,
0: <laughs> Team Kong all the way. I'm with you. What's your argument behind this, though? Why do you have because Godzilla is bigger than him. He's got nuclear breath. It's it seems like it could be a challenge.
5: Man, King Kong is from the hood. He's going to be all the hood strength. You know what I'm saying? He probably had a couple of 40 ounces before the fight and just coming in and just one hit a quitter. Boom. Good night, Kong. all right man i'm gonna tune in because you can't think about it all godzilla has is that breath he's got he's got short stubby arms you know and a tail man king Kong. man listen in a a real fight (laughs) if they really fought three five minutes godzilla is getting up out of here man post haste
0: all right all right you know you've, you've you, i think he's convinced me michael vincent i really appreciate it. hey man uh thank you so much for joining us on the show today i appreciate you sharing that story of um of turn your life around and i'll catch up with you on twitter in a little bit all hey, right thank you for having
5: me on man i appreciate it take
0: it easy all right man let's let go uh, you know speaking of godzilla speaking of king kong speaking of ever given let's go inside the newsletter oh let's do it <laughs> got mail oh yeah yeah this so this is from the what the truck newsletter comes out every tuesday 6 p.m eastern time go to freightwaves.com wtt to subscribe it is free like everything else we do around here. Michael, we looked at a bunch of interesting things, and we start off every newsletter, I bother you, around uh, 8.30 in the morning and say, hey, man, I need my sonar charts. And this week, what really stuck out to me, uh, beyond spot rates, beyond anything else, was rejections, which are highly elevated, and in some areas are up as high as 50%. The average is 28.15%. Give me some insight on all of this.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. They're, they're, they're way up. Um, We've got a lot of freight that is moving out of the uh, I was just talking to Zach about that this morning and it coming out of the traditional areas. It's coming out of, it's coming out of the Inland Empire, Ontario, Dallas markets, Atlanta markets, Elizabeth. And then you're looking at, you know, Columbus, Indianapolis, it's coming out of the port cities and hitting, it's just moving like crazy. And we talked to uh, Kyle Lintner uh, yesterday on midday market update. Uh, and we're talking about the fact that we've now got uh, some uh, low interest rates on, on housing, which isn't any, any uh, you know, a shock to anybody and that uh, housing market's on fire. So people are starting to use their, their their houses as ATM machines again, right? And that's driving this freight volumes way up. Now, we are also going into uh, Easter weekend as well. So we should see, you know, a holiday weekend there where we've got a little bit of uptick caused by that but this seems to be volume driven my friend
0: it sure is and you know spot rates right now 316 per mile on national average some areas getting much more than that just like those rejections where you're seeing like over in rapid city south dakota 50 plus percent plus. and you know you mentioned housing i just bought this house and michael i ordered some i ordered some seats to shoot insiders in for the studio here and you know what the lead Mm -hmm. time is I have no idea. It's got to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even want to guess. Six to eight weeks, six to eight weeks, but they say they can't guarantee anything. And I, um, I'm hoping they come sooner, but I wouldn't be surprised if it takes even longer than that. I've been hearing some stories from people who've both ordered cars and who've ordered, uh, who've ordered either furniture or appliances, heavy goods, not a lot of space on trucks right now. And you're seeing that reflected in those in those tender rejections, tender rejections, just if you're not familiar, means it's a contracted load and a carrier for one reason or another, usually because they can get better rates on the spot market or they just don't have the capacity, they reject that load. And we're seeing a lot of that in the market right now.
1: Yeah, you really do. And you keep expecting that things are going to calm down and you're going to see that DHL supply chain pricing power index start to come down a little bit. But every time we put it at 75 or 70, it seems to tick up, right? And it's come up five again, 1080, right?
0: Yeah. And I feel like those DHL supply chain pricing power index guys and the freight Intel team, they're kind of like rooting for it to go down. I think they were, they were almost taking a, you know, a pessimistic viewpoint, but I think that, um, the market's just sort of like they're finally co to it or co to it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, it's like, you've seen it for so long and this elevation at, at first was like, there's no way this is going to last, you know, last year at the beginning of, of, we were looking at this and no, 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 it's lasting. And now, oh, COVID, everybody's getting their vaccine. It's going to go. No, it's not going down. Hey. Things are still flying.
0: So Quincy, he already has called the fight for King Kong, said one hitter quitter, he's going to knock him right out. He really likes Kong's agility. He likes Kong's cunning. He likes his hands, his ability. We have a picture here showing the scale, the, the massive difference in size between all of things as compared to the ever given. And I think if anything, this just shows how massive the ever given is. It's, it's the size of three and a third Godzilla's 12 King Kongs at King Kong's normal height. They actually, if you've noticed in the trailer though, they, um, they changed the canon of how, of within their own universe of how big King Kong is. King Kong is 110 feet, but in this movie, they made him 337 feet. I guess so he can look somewhat eye to eye with Godzilla, who's 394 feet, but the Ever Given is 1,312 feet. Michael Vincent's as big as the Empire State Building.
1: Yeah, no, Ever Given wins. was that that the question (laughs) well it
0: wins on on height it wins on weight it's it's 200,000 metric tons versus 90,000 metric tons for Godzilla and only 158 metric tons for King Kong I mean it really on paper it looks like there's almost no chance for King Kong to win this thing. But I also wanted to look at the cost of damage between the two because you you hear these massive numbers, right? They're like the ever-given yeah. being stuck there. It costs $9.6 billion in global trade a day. It's going to have an impact of $60 billion. Um, well, what happens when Godzilla attacks Japan? There was a site called Sora News 24, and they did the math, and it turns out that a Godzilla attack is worth about $816. Billion dollars. How much did we say that? Wow. Inf- what is Biden's infrastructure bill? I think that could pay for it. Two trillion. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our infrastructure could probably handle that and then maybe buy us a sandwich. Maybe buy us a sandwich. You've got that one right.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <It's> you, <insane. laughs> for you as, a, as the shipper, though, where you're going to see an impact or a broker, where you're going to see some impact here is on those 40-foot units coming to the East Coast. They're already elevated. They've been elevated for a while um, those, those two delays, you know, it's like, it's like losing capacity for a week or two is what happened over here. So you're going to see those reflected in costs. You also, I mean, we have a much bigger issue here. This was lost in all the mainstream coverage was, oh no, the Suez Canal, like the horror. But we still have 26 boats at anchor in San Pedro Bay every single day. And that's the reason why it's taken five to eight weeks for my furniture to come. It's taken GMCs forever to come to Craig Fuller. I know he tweeted about that. Um, And these aren't just anecdotal experiences. When you look in the data, too, just deliveries are getting harder and harder to come by by these big goods
1: they really are you've talked about it before prices go up and service goes down or i mean it's just the nature of the beast they go up you got no capacity you can't move the stuff yet the suez canal could affect availability uh in the short term really of those containers and exacerbate that problem slightly on the in in you know on the West coast, but it's not going to have a direct impact on that. And I don't think it's going to be nearly as big an impact on us as uh, on the East coast, as the West coast is, is seeing uh, from the COVID and the spending. I think that you know, the stimulus checks, the jobs bill, the the infrastructure bill from Biden um, the housing market is going to keep the stuff uh, moving pretty Revenge spending, right. Mm. Is, is, is happening.
0: Well, speaking of revenge, who do you got in the battle? Is it the Ever Given? Is it Kong or is it Godzilla? Uh,
1: the Ever Given is, is not going to win that battle. It's <laughs> a three-way, three-way battle because it just kind of sits there. And, and I've seen Godzilla pick up things that big and throw them or just burn them. So th- I think it comes down between uh, Kong and Godzilla. And I'm sticking with Kong. I've called Kong before. Kong has beaten Godzilla mm. in the past. Uh, and I'm going with uh, Godzilla again or Kong again. I'm, I'm with uh, Quincy on the agility.
0: Okay, I don't agree with you. I'm taking Godzilla, so I'll be the outlier here. We'll see who's, I'm gonna watch it later on today. So I'll, I'll, I, well, I won't spoil it for you. Do you have HBO Max? You can watch it yourself. I will
1: uh, I'll probably partake. I want to see who wins this. This is a match I would pay pay-per-view to see.
0: Hey, last time I was, the, the, the match that I heard about last time I was at your house was you versus an owl. And in the newsletter, there was a man versus yeah. a swan who is terrorizing this block in England. It keeps sticking its beak in people's letter slots and is rattling the letter slots and chasing away delivery guys. One guy said he went as far as to barricade his door, but then the problem was that he and the delivery guys couldn't get in. This has been going on for five years. Obviously not in the United States. Here we'd probably put a bull in that bird by now but in england it's fine uh, wh- what would you do solve the problem <laughs> duck lorange brother peace and love <laughs> <laughs> check it out catch us on what catch, catch us on your favorite podcast player of choice look up what the truck you can find me at timothy Donuts d double o n-e-r you can find him at vincent the dude we'll see you back here on friday